0: This is Jamie Dixon, head coach, men's basketball at TCU. You're listening to TCU Frog Pod. Here we go. And welcome to their episode of the Frog Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Flanagan, alongside my co-host, Mr. Alan Taylor. It's been a while, Alan. We've learned a lot of things since the last time we got together. Last time we were talking, the frogs were still playing football and uh, didn't end the way we liked it to have. But now it's basketball season. We gave everyone time to process what the non-con would be. And this Saturday, the Frogs go to fall Allen to play against the number two-ranked team in the country, the Kansas Jayhawks. Mr. Taylor, first of all, Happy New Year. And also, what's the thing of this team?
1: I mean, Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, so what's, what's the thing about this basketball team? Well, we can start <laughs> with what we know. We know we've lost two games. Thank God for a lucky rule where they can't overturn being out of bounds. We won one other game that we probably should have lost. So you're looking at a team going into Big 12 play with uh, one win over a Power 6 team in Georgetown with a major asterisk in my mind on it and just not playing great basketball right now. They went to Hawaii in a tournament where they were the outright favorite to win it, lost in a semifinal to Nevada. And they just struggle at times being able to find ways to score the ball, struggle with turnovers, and then just don't seem to be playing well as a unit at really any point in time. So I guess there are some bright sides. I think Trey Tennyson's been great. I think Ernest Uday is really starting to find himself physically in the last couple games. But at the same time, Jacoby Coles has taken a step back from when we talked about how he was playing in November. And we're going to need to find a way to get all of these guys playing together at once to be able to reach our full potential.
0: That's, that's kind of a tough part in not just college basketball, especially TCU, in, in general, in college athletics now. When you have all these transfers, it's kind of hard to gel. It's kind of hard to have that unit and that cohesion that so many teams have that make them great because uh, team chemistry is kind of that measurable, that doesn't show up on paper, that can really push teams to an extra couple wins that can make the difference uh, in the regular season and in March. You, like you said, Alan, these guys have came on – Trey Tennyson, Ernest Uday, who Ernest Uday was one that early in the season, there begins games where he would have one or two rebounds. He's too big for that. But last game, he had his first career double-double, I believe 18 points, 13 rebounds, maybe even vice versa. Uh, so he's coming in his own. Trey Tennyson, I said he was an X-factor. Anyone I talked to, I said the X-factor is going to be the guards, Trey Tennyson and Avery Anderson and Jameer Nelson Jr. So far, Trey Tennyson has been as advertised when it comes to his shooting. Avery Anderson has big 12 experience. He's going to have some highs He's going to have some lows and Jameer Nelson, someone who I was very high on still has not hit his, you know, his true stride against that quality competition. This is a guy who was, you know, he was at George Washington, Delaware, and now he's here. And I think that the, the shock and level of competition has definitely stunted him to an extent. You talk about turnovers. He's one of those guys committing so many turnovers. He started the season off in the starting five, and now he's coming off the bench, which I think is a great move by Coach Dixon. But there's just so many pieces, Alan, to this team that could yield great results. But if they're not all together, it could be a really tough product to watch at times.
1: Yeah, tough to watch at times might be an even an understatement. This team, I mean – it's gonna be really interesting to see how we play on the road. That's another thing that we haven't fully talked about with this group yet. Is yes, they played a Georgetown team in Washington, DC, and then they traveled to go play Clemson on the road and then played the tournament in Hawaii, but they haven't faced a hostile environment yet.
0: That <laughs> just doesn't they, they, and they get one on Saturday, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, so you're talking about this group with all these guys sort of, as you mentioned, coming together as newcomers onto this roster. We're about to go into Fog Island Fieldhouse on a Saturday afternoon on CBS, playing a Kansas team that knows they lost to the guys wearing the purple jerseys the year prior. And it's just going to be a tough place to play and really
0: just throwing this roster into the fire. We'll talk about the Kansas game in specifics later on in the podcast. Um But I want to gear into the Big 12, as this conference itself, and this is a holistic. John Rothstein said today on Twitter that this is the best league in college basketball. There's no arguing that, but the stat that he made that really stood out to me was about the quadrants and how everything's going to work here. Make sure I get this right. John said 11 of the Big 12's 14 teams are currently ranked in the top 67 of the net Rankings that is the NCAA evaluation tool. That means that over 70% of road games in this league will be quad one opportunities as of today. You mentioned going on the road. When you have a playing in quadrant one level caliber games, it makes it even tougher. I mean, you gotta go to Kansas, you gotta go to Baylor, you gotta go to Oklahoma, you gotta go to all these, you gotta go to BYU, a, a place that you know, it was going to be tough beforehand this period, but now that BYU's clicked on all cylinders, that's going to be a tough game. So, this team, it, it, it sucks to say it, but they don't have much time really to figure it out because you start from the bang. Your first three games are at Kansas and then home against Oklahoma and Houston. Those are three of the top 11 teams in the country right now, Allen. And, you know, the Big 12, well, I am on the opinion that it's, well, it's still a great league. It's not as, great as it's been in the past, it's still the best league in college basketball.
1: Yeah, it's by far and away the best league in college basketball. And frankly, the second best league in college basketball is also uh, in the South, I would say, with being the SEC, being the number two league in the country right now as well. That may be a controversial take, but more on the Big 12, it's just the depth. It's the amount of teams in this league that have the ability to make the second week into the NCAA tournament. All the teams you mentioned in that little monologue you gave about the league and Rossine's ability to understand it is what a lot of people in the national media don't get they look at all these brands playing in these leagues up in the upper midwest and playing on the northeast and all these things they have big brands who knows some of them might have just hired Rick Pitino that doesn't mean they're going to win any games that just means that they're going to be playing games on national television week in week out people are going to watch and teams are going to win but just because you win a game in your conference doesn't mean you're going to be that great nationally and I think we're going to see a lot of that going on this year, and TCU fans are going to need to remind themselves that when we hit our rough patches going through the Big 12 slate.
0: So I'm going to ask you this question, Al. You mentioned the other leagues and how you, that you don't view them necessarily as good as it might be perceived. You rely on the brand perspective. Where do you think this TCU team would place in the Big Ten and the Big East?
1: The Big East I think we would probably finish about – fourth or fifth uh I think that's fair I think the Big East at the top I think Villanova's playing a lot better I think Creighton's a team that's really going to start playing well as the season wears on and I just think Marquette's just a better team than we are so I'm going to put those three ahead of us and, and you frankly, didn't even mention UConn, UConn you well. yeah yeah UConn <laughs> yeah let's actually swap out uh Creighton for UConn because I saw Creighton lose at home to Villanova, which was disheartening. But at the same time, uh, okay, so then I'm going to go to the Big Ten. So let me tell you something about the Big Ten Conference. They just play terrible basketball. You watch Big Ten basketball, and you're looking at the screen, and you're like, it makes sense these guys haven't really made noise in March since the early 2000s. It's just what it is. It's These guys get hyped up every year, and I will say this. The John Beeline Michigan teams, Tom Izzo's teams at Michigan State, and then – There are other teams that can come through that league and really develop into NCAA tournament-type teams, the Wisconsin teams with Bo Ryan and Kaminsky. But they aren't there right now. The guys they have on those teams right now aren't at the level of those Big Ten teams that were making NCAA tournament runs, but they're still going to receive that same amount of hype because they're still going to be shown on national television so many times, and they're going to win so many games in the Big Ten that's such a weak league. Nebraska is good in the Big Ten. Nebraska. Like, come on. Like, it it gets to a point in time when we just need to realize that the league itself is the problem. It's not the teams in it, even. So it's on, y'all. We're just going to do our thing and we'll send about five to
0: six tournaments or five or six teams to the Sweet 16. Wow. I mean, I'm up here in Big 10 country and we have some listeners who who are also Big 10 country. And, you know, this Purdue team, I think, is actually. Good. I'm not going to say that they're going to be the team that's cutting down the nets because until I see it, I just don't see Big Ten teams being able to do that, win six straight in in the tournament. Uh, But yes, the original point, TCU fans need to remind themselves there's going to be some stretches. There, There always are, not just for TCU, just for any team in the Big 12, unless your name is really just Kansas and probably maybe Houston this year. You're gonna go through rough stretches. You're gonna lose back-to-back games. You you're probably gonna lose three or four games in a row, but that's okay because there's no nights off in this league, Alan. It, it's a saying that Brett Yormark brought to the league last year, uh, especially the Big 12 tournament time. There are no nights off. I mean, you can the worst team in the conference right now is probably West Virginia or UCF. It's still not easy to go into Morgantown and come away with the dub, because even as bad as West Virginia it can be and probably will be this year because of all the turmoil they're having, it's still gonna be a tough place to play. I mean, there, there's no, you know, Northwestern there, there's no Minnesota. There's no like these schools where, yeah, they have people there, but it's not like the hostile environment. West Virginia a hostile environment. So th- to the TCU fans, I'm not saying that it's going to for sure happen, but do not be surprised that there's a, some slumps you're playing in the best league in in the country, in the best league in the history of college basketball, I might say. So that leads to the this question, Alan. It's kind of a more predictive question, but just kind of circumnavigates the whole Big Twelve take. How many wins? What's the what's the least amount of wins, TCU could get in the Big Twelve and still make March Madness?
1: I'm gonna go with seven. I think that a
0: seven and eleven record in the Big Twelve
1: gets you into the NCAA tournament. That would put us about 18 and 13 for the year is, I believe, the number, depending on our result in the Big 12 basketball tournament. And I just think that could easily happen. I think we are a good enough league where that's happened before. I remember Iowa State actually made the Sweet 16 with a similar record. I believe it was two years ago when we were out in San Diego. And I would say that's
0: my number, seven. Yeah, I mean, I could list you right now 11 losses that TCU could very well take, and you're like, All right, well, you just named 11 teams that very well could be in the Elite Eight. Texas, Baylor, Kansas, Houston, Oklahoma, Iowa State. I mean, there's teams out there that can beat TCU. But that leads me to this. TCU matches up well on paper with a lot of teams. And one of those teams is the Kansas Jayhawks. This weekend, TCU is to go to fall down against number two ranked team in the country. And last year, TCU came out there and gave a, a whoop-ass to the Jayhawks. And in my personal opinion, that Jayhawk team last year was better than this one. Now, I'll also say this. At this time and point, last year's TCU, TCU basketball team was better than this year's TCU basketball team. For the game on Saturday, Allen, what does TCU have to do to win? Do you, and, and do you think they will win? Okay, so the first one, what does TCU need to
1: to do to win this game? They can't allow Hunter Dickinson to go crazy. You have to force, frankly, K.J. Adams to be the primary scorer for Kansas, and you just can't allow for – you have to withstand the Kansas run that will inevitably happen that didn't happen last year. There's going to be a lot going into this game where Kansas people are going to be wanting to make sure that they don't lose to TCU twice. Like, that's something Kansas just doesn't do. They don't lose to the same team twice at home in consecutive years. So, it's going to mean something to Kansas. And, frankly, a lot of the guys on our roster didn't play really pivotal roles in that game. I remember last year in Fog Allen, Shahada Wells, kind of, I believe he had three threes, four threes, maybe 20 points even. And he really played well as well as Baugh and Miles. So, None of those guys are around. It's a brand new group. We got to figure out a way to, to make Adams be their guy. Shut down Dick and sit as much as you can. And then on offense, you just got to do enough. You can't just start getting shoot shot happy from beyond the arc. And you got to work your offense. You got to find layups and easy jump shots. And, you know, just find it, try to establish a rhythm early is my main key, I guess.
0: No, I, I 100% agree with you. I didn't know what – you were going to say there, my main thought, this whole thing is you cannot allow Hunter Dickinson to beat you. I mean, he came in here from the big 10, a great player. And he kind of gave Bill self what he was missing in that, you know, face up facility, the ability to facilitate big man that he really hasn't had in quite some time. And here's what I'm going to say. If Hunter Dickinson has 25 points and 18 rebounds, TCU is going to lose. They might even lose by double digits. If you can force Hunter Dickinson to get in foul trouble, and you can force him to take difficult shots. You have a chance there. Now, here's the thing, Alan. Kansas normally has depth. And this year, they don't they do not have that. They have four guys, in my personal opinion Hunter Dickinson, KJ Adams, Kevin McCullough, and DeWan Harris. Dewan Harris can is sometimes scared to shoot the ball. Kevin McCullough is one of the best players in the country he's going to cause problems no matter what. KJ Adams is subject to getting foul trouble and also at times can be inconsistent. So it's a lot easier when you only have to board about four guys instead of five plus a bench. They have freshmen that I just don't think are ready to play. Arterial Morris had a whole legal issue that prevent, that's preventing him from playing. I don't think he's on the team anymore. And then Nick Timberlake, is just not the guy, the guy, the, the sharpest from Townsend, he's just not the guy they thought he was going to be. So if you're TCU you have the advantage with depth. So for me, my thing for TCU is you got to get out and run. That's what they did last year. The, the The main point I remember from last year, the main play was Shahada Wells fast break posterizing dunk. You got to get out and go and wear these guys out because if someone needs a break, you can capitalize on their lack of depth.
1: Definitely great points. I would say the main thing is also with getting in transition, it's, also speeding them up on their offensive side of the ball. It's not just you know finding ways to score in transition. We need to figure out a way to kind of get Hunter Dickinson the ball where he's catching it outside the three point line, where he's not just able to get his two feet set and then make a move and go straight to the basket. I think, but I agree entirely. I think controlling the pace is going to be a massive part of the game,
0: which is tough to do because, like you say, the Kansas run is inevitable. This Kansas team was down big. In assembly hall gets an Indiana team who lost by double digits to Auburn, Yukon, and as recently last night, Wednesday, to Nebraska uh in Lincoln. So, you know, I I don't believe necessarily directly in transitive property, but it can be done. It can be done. Now it is different playing in Frog Island, but um this is makes this is the scenario of a game, in my opinion, where TCU is competitive they probably have a lead in the second half but it's just so hard to beat a Bill self team once let alone twice so it's just gonna be a very interesting matchup but things gonna tell you a lot about the team I think the spread is not out yet as you record this if I'm gonna guess I'm gonna say it's gonna be I would say Kansas minus eight and a half would probably be a good spread Alan do you think
1: yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit more than that. I bet it's closer to probably 12-and-a-half. But, I mean, it's just one of those things. You never know. TCU really hasn't proven what they're going to be like on the road. Had their last game against A&M Commerce and, frankly, against Hawaii. Their defense is really stepping up a lot more. So it's going to be interesting to see how they come out and play against a Kansas team that, frankly, has already faced a lot of
0: competition. They have. Kansas played against Tennessee, they played against UConn. I'm trying the other teams they've gotten a chance to go up against. Uh, those two being the, the highlights, The Tennessee and UConn, both in the top 15 in the country. TCU's highest-ranked opponent right now is Clemson, and they just did a loss last night on the road to Miami. So this season's going to be interesting, Alan. Like we said, it's going to be interesting. Looking forward to it. Um, I'll, I'll ask for a prediction straight up. Does TCU win on Saturday? No. Do they cover your hypothetical spread of 12 and a half? Or you can, no. take, you can take, okay, so you're not taking mine at eight and a half. See, this is the game I think, TC, you can keep it close. I really do. I just think that this is, this is going to be one of those losses, though, that you look back on it at the season, you're like, okay, if we play Kansas again in the Big Twelve tournament, you you will feel a lot more confident. Not saying we would beat them in Kansas City, but you would feel a lot more confident. And this is a year to grow. It, it sucks that you have to play Kansas the first game of the Big Twelve calendar, but that's just how it is. It's TCU scheduling-wise seems to always get the short end of the stick, no matter what sport it is. Um I don't think TCU wins this game, but I do think that they keep it within single digits. And I do think they'll have a lead in the second half. So that's my prediction, Alan. Another lead in
1: the p- half is uh, something I want to dig into here. So, uh, at what time do you think TC needs to be leading to be able to like be confident in themselves to so withstand a second half run? What how, what time do they need to be leading? Yeah, a minute left. You think they? So you think with one minute left in the game, you would trust
0: this team to close it out? E- mm, ugh, depends on who the lead is, obviously. I mean, I just if we're up by if TCU is up by say six with sixteen minutes left in the second half. That's not a safe lead. I mean, no, even at this TCU team, even last year's TCU team, a six point lead in Frog in Fog Allen is I almost said Frog Allen ironically. That's funny. Um, <laughs> is is not safe. I mean, the it's just you're in, you're in Fog Allen, and when you play there, you play against Bill Self, his players, and historically the refs. Those are the three you have to worry about when you play on the road against Kansas. So, yes, one minute left in the game is when we we'll start feeling confident because, like you said, and we've said this every time you and I have watched TCU-Kansas game together, the run is coming. It's that just that series where you make a one-bad pass, it leads to an easy layup, and then you missed a shot. They go down. They hit a big three. Your lead's cut to two. You get a bad like a travel like that's just how it happens like you you've seen it so many times when you watch Kansas basketball games that's what ends up happening so yes one minute is the the answer to your original question of what how much time would be left for me to be confident and hopefully it'd be multiple possessions because if it's like up by three with a minute left it's like all right is gonna smack a three here and then it's like oh y- y- you know how it goes.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think for TCU to be confident, they really need their guards to play well early to get a, frankly, a double digit lead with about a couple minutes to go to be confident.
0: You just can't honestly just don't. Turn, I mean, it's easier said than done. Just don't turn the ball over. Value the basketball. Don't force shots. I mean, and your style alone will allow you to d- be in this game. But if you start forcing things, sh- both shots and passes, it it could get ugly. Exactly. So, um. Since we've last talked, bowl season's happened. I mean, the College Football National Championship is next week. Michigan-Washington, we're not going to dive too much into that. This is a TCU podcast, and, you know, frankly, we're the last team in the country to beat Michigan, so there's that. Um, But TCU football right now is doing pretty good, Alan. I'm going to ask you the question uh, that kind of relates to TCU basketball. Will TCU football have more wins next year, regular season, than TCU basketball will have in conference play this year. There are 18 games played in the Big 12 conference. There are 12 played in a standard college football season.
1: See, it's kind of sad, but I have a lot of confidence in football here. I think that the football team next year, with the pieces they've added, frankly, and just bringing the guys back that they are, and I'm really excited about Andy Avalos' new defense, I think that they're just going to have an ability to be able to win at least eight games. I think eight is a number that's very fair for next year's football team right now. I think that that's kind of where I stand with them is what the baseline should be, given who we play against, not having to play against OU and Texas, but really playing against teams that are recruiting right at our level. I think that it's in a very good spot for us. With that being said, I don't have a lot of faith in the basketball team right now. I don't think the basketball team is going to be able to, frankly, easily make it to eight wins. I don't see eight games on the schedule where I'm like, yes, that's one that we're going to be favored by seven or eight points. And I'm going to be pretty confident going into the game. Just not the same team as last year with that. Lost a lot of guys. I mean, you're just dealing with a brand new group that hasn't shown a lot in non-conference play to lead to much confidence. And with that, I'm going to have to go with the football team to be my confident answer of winning more games next football season than
0: basketball in conference play this year. I mean, next year's football slate, people talk about the Big 12 It's such a bad light, not a power conference. All this jive—that's just mess of people. Oh, yes, the Big Twelve will not be the SEC or I guess the Big Ten. I will make an argument: that the bottom of the Big Twelve is still better than the bottom of the Big Ten. But that's a story for another day. TCU does not have an easy schedule next year by the stretch of the imagination. They play eleven power four teams. No more power five with the death of the Pac-12. You got to go to SMU. You got to go to Baylor. You got to go to Cincinnati. You got to go to Kansas. You got to go to Utah. You have home games versus UCF, Oklahoma State, a, a Willie Fritz, Houston team, Tech, and Arizona. I mean, all of those, the, the worst team on there is probably Baylor. That's a rivalry game on the road. This, the, that is your easiest game next year it is a road game versus your arch rival.
1: Baylor has fallen. It It is
0: really sad how far Baylor has fallen. It's not sad. It's funny. That's what it is. <laughs> It depends on who you ask. I mean, the fact I think Baylor had, what, five games on ESPN Plus this year? That's how bad they were. That's funny. One of those was a loss to Texas State. Uh, shout out Texas State for selling SMU out of beer. Ooh, yes. Shout out to those in San Marcos. Uh, also want to shout out Anthony Silva and Peyton Toll, uh, TCU baseball players making the preseason All-American team. Uh, Silva, first team, Mr. Toll, second team. Rio started for frog ball. We will get into that, uh, later on this year. Um, trying to think of any other shout outs we have. TCU Women's Basketball, their perfect season did end last night, but Mark Campbell in TCU Women's Basketball plays that we have never seen before. Uh, just the competitiveness, the you know, the excitement you get when you watch them is truly in the first year of a job. I mean, Hats off to Coach Campbell. Any, anything else, Alan? Uh, nothing else for me. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the episode of the podcast. We are sorry it's been so long. We hope that you will continue to listen to us. We will uh, hopefully continue to get these podcasts out on at least a bi-weekly basis as Mr. Taylor, uh, in his accounting world and me and my de- defense distribution world, sometimes the schedules don't allow for us to get the content out in the manner we desire. But we will do our best to get this to you at the most frequent pace that our t- schedule allows to with that being said thank you to our graphics producer owen graham our producer jackson Sloshnagel, uh jameson mullen our director of content and nicholas capasso our super fan we thank you all for listening and give us your time remember to like and subscribe to the podcast share it with all your horn frog fans and remember to make every day your best day go frogs